Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. All right, gang, we are joined again by the Doug Whaley. Doug, what you drinking tonight? How's everything? Uh, first of all, happy 2021, everybody. Glad to see you. You know what I mean? So uh, tonight, I'll have to give a backdrop of the story of what I'm drinking before I tell you what I'm drinking. So as an intern, I'm 21 years old, intern into, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Jim, you know, during the season, they always have dinner for the scouts and the coaches that they put in those long hours working late in the night. So we have a dinner every night. So on Wednesday nights, uh, the first Wednesday night, I'm like, okay, I'm going in, and I see omelets, pancakes, waffles, bacon. I'm like, what's going on here? Talk to one of the, the coaches. He said, Coach Cower always believes in breakfast for dinner one of these uh, one night during the week. So I've transferred that to my home life. So we had breakfast for dinner. So I'm work drinking on a little Bellini, peach juice and champagne just to <laughs> first first breakfast of dinner for 2021 cheers to a bellini at nine at night beautiful no doubt beautiful. <laughs> i love it you can't go wrong man well doug i mean there's three games saturday three games sunday we we touched on them in the first segment touched on some more with roman harper what pops to you i mean there's so many intriguing matchups but what do you want to dive into first i think I'm, i want to dive into the Tennessee Baltimore game. Um, I, I'm very intrigued right now to see what which ball control offense can dominate that game because they're both pretty much set up the same way on offense: run the ball, play action. Now Tannehill's better on the play action and put in in the pocket, but Lamar's got that extra gear as a runner. I want to see which defense can match up. In my opinion, I think Baltimore defense matches up better than Tennessee's because Tennessee has that lack of a pass rush, and I think their, their secondary is a little shaky. But on to counterbalance that, it, what, what, which Lamar is going to show up? Is it going to be the regular season Lamar, or is it going to be the postseason Lamar the last two years that has kind of dribbled down his leg? So that's going to be an interesting one for me. So, Doug, you know, that's kind of what we spoke about in our first segment was Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have to win a playoff game. Like, they're both MVP caliber type players, but you got to win a playoff game. And they're both facing – and it's just that first one. Like, it's just that yes. monkey off the back that we Steve Young's mm -hmm. famous for. And we all know how that, hey, first win of every season is the one you need to get. First bet of every night is the one you want to hit. Or else no you're doubt. sweating bullets. <laughs> that 12 noon kickoff on Saturday is always that bet you need to hit. But this, these, these two guys need to win. And those are the, these are the type of games that separate the solid quarterbacks to the good quarterbacks, the good quarterbacks to the great quarterbacks. So right now, these are up-and-coming solid quarterbacks that are borderline good, good in the regular season. But you don't make your hay in the regular season. You make your hay and your money in the postseason. If you want to be elevated to that conversation of somebody that can possibly be in that goat conversation or 
the most important thing is the rings. Uh, I look at it this way. You can have, and that's the biggest issue now is in this, the world we live in now, it's the fantasy football world. So everybody's looking at stats like, oh, this guy's not as good as this. Look at his stats. Look at his stats. But being in that industry, I don't care what your stats are. Only stat I care about is how many pieces of jewelry you have for your hand. If you can go like that, then you could be one for 50 and a quarterback rating of 0.5. But if you have five, five rings, you're the best quarterback I've played with or been with or, <laughs> or been associated with. So that that's what it is. It all comes down now to, okay, you put a nice little resume together. There are people who are like, okay, you're, you're, you're good enough to be on that, that major stage, that main stage. You're not the side stage anyway. You're the main stage. So what are you going to do on that main stage? Do you have a routine on that pole that are going to have people coming back and you'd be the, the highlight of the weekend? I love it. I love it. I mean, Steelers, Browns, like we, we got to get your take on that. You, you were with Pittsburgh. You know how a lot of people in that building operate in this moment. You've got Cleveland. They're getting hit by COVID. They're not going to have their head coach. What's the approach with, with both teams into that game? Well, it's and I it's a straight Tomlinism. The standard is the standard. So for Pittsburgh, most if you think about it, most organization their goal is to get to the soup to the playoffs and then the Super Bowl. But for Pittsburgh, the standard is the Super Bowl. So for them, this is to me that typical Big Brother game. Here comes the little brother, new on the scene, hasn't been to the playoffs in so long. And then if you look at the regular season. They got skull drug the first game. The second game, they had nothing. The Steelers had nothing to play for, had some backups in, and the Browns almost lost the game. They won by two points. Then you add in the fact that they're not going to have their head coach. They haven't been on the practice field for the whole week. And granted, at this time of year, you're not practicing hard, but to have those live reps and to have those situations and be able to see it, and, and, and Monish, you know as well as I do, there are people that learn differently. There are some guys that can learn on the chalkboard or learn through video, but some guys need to see it live. And it, and it may just be a walkthrough, but they haven't even had a walkthrough. So the cards are stacked against them. And if they come into Pittsburgh and beat Little Brother with all these variables stacked against them, I'm going to tip my hat to them. And also, I have a little rooting interest, not against the Steelers, but one of my college teammates, Alex Van Pelt, is, is the offensive coordinator there, and he will be calling plays. So I obviously want to see him do well. But I, I, I think it's the Steelers all day long. Hey, Doug, you know, I think about, you know, when people hear walkthroughs growing up in high school, those walkthroughs, I hate to say it, but they literally were walkthroughs and let's go. Yes. Right? Yes. NFL walkthroughs, I've seen and we've seen it in Buffalo – we had a walkthrough, and we saw coaches looking at each other, getting upset because, especially the defensive coaches, where it's a walkthrough Friday, Saturday, and somebody didn't see something that they thought they had prepared for all week, mm-hmm. and they get a look, and it wasn't right. And we've seen arguments on walkthroughs. <laughs> oh. And that people don't understand how important walkthroughs are in the NFL because, to your point, these guys are ready to play. It's yes. the fine-tuning of the details that walkthroughs provide these coaches with, and they're important. No, they're very important. And and we've seen understudies or or assistant coaches 
get reamed for not having either the offensive look team or the defensive look team in the right positions. He should be outside the numbers instead of inside the numbers. And that made that little tip right there could be the difference on a third and 10 up by five breaking up that pass or getting an interception to end the game because he knew inside the numbers, it's all outbreaking routes. So he can favor the outbreaking routes. But if you don't see that in the walkthrough and the guy is outside and he breaks out, then he can say, well, he was inside. I thought he had a two-way go. So those little things can cost you a game. And in this time, and you know as well as I do, Monas, in the playoffs, everything is ratcheted up about 10 notches. That, that, is a different level. And that's one of those things that people don't understand. Football, especially at the professional level, is here. Playoff football is here. On that point, I want to ask you, Doug, because when I when I covered Green Bay and even in Buffalo, I always associated like Friday as from what we saw in the locker room from like the media perspective and the music's blaring, guys are loose, and it seems like, oh, this is a, you know, I, I might be able to call a player on my own around the team that day and yeah, this is kind of a blow-off day, but, you know, for um, th- this story on the Steelers linebackers, that, that, that stuff I go along, like Joey Porter, he said, look, Friday was the, the dot the I day, cross the T day, and the tradition that those linebackers had on Friday started by Greg Lloyd in the 90s, everybody had to chew snuff. You, you, had, to mm-hmm. have a, you had to have some oh, yeah. chew in your lip, you know, because they're, they're tough guys, right? They're going to kick some ass. I don't know. Do you, do you remember that tradition at all in Pittsburgh? And like, I don't know if you get your sense as a scout, like trying to find this specimen, the Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. Well, let me start with the tradition. Yes, you remember those because you can't forget if anybody's ever been around Greg Lloyd, you will never forget just about anything that guy done. He does. <laughs> he was the most intense individual I have ever been around. And I've been around a lot of people. In this business, over 20-some years, and then in football, close to you know, 40 years of my life. But this guy would walk down the hall, and besides Dan Rooney, Dan Rooney, not Dan Rooney Jr., Dan Rooney, he would stare you down, and he'd have those eye, those eyes that would just pierce through your soul, or you would just crumble. You know, after you, you, I'd get on the side of the wall because I was an intern, so I'd get up against the side of the wall. Monus like you and New Year's Eve, and I would just be like, please, please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. And he would just stare me down. And, I mean, it was just – he had a presence about him. And, and But he could do that because he backed it up on the field. Now, to transition to why the Steelers have had such success at the linebacker position is continuity. They've had that scheme for so long, they know what they're looking for. And we did a study. The only time when I was there that we missed on an outside linebacker or a, a, the linebacker position as, as a whole, as a 3-4 uh, scheme, was because of two things. We ignored the lack of smarts and the lack of heart. Other than that, we had the script there. Check the boxes, plug and play. And that was a – I mean, that's why continuity is so important especially in, the, in this game, when you have to have 11 guys working as one unit. It was really fascinating as an outsider to learn about that all, Doug. I mean, there was a point where I think it was Chad Brown. He said, look, imagine yourself as a Pittsburgh Steelers scout. And I thought of you. He's like, you know exactly what you're looking for. 
Like, you know yeah. the prototype. You know the linebacker you want. And then, as Joey Porter said, they always kind of kept a veteran in the room. It wasn't like the whole room was just ejected and you started over. There was always somebody there. And, you know, James Harrison has to wait four years to start. And then Vince Williams has to wait four years to start. So you wait. It's just a different fraternity as a Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. It's a, it's, its own world. And and I said this in an earlier uh, podcast with you. It's because, one, the system is so difficult to learn, and they're so intricate with their calls and their checks that you bring in, let's say you have a, a Greg Lloyd or Chad Brown that's fifth, sixth year, in about two years, we're gonna have to make, you're going to have to make a decision on You draft his replacement two years before you need him. So that gives him time to come in, learn that system, give you some reps on special teams, contribute there, work him in intermittently throughout the year, spot spot play him here, spot play him there. So when you have to make that decision and say, you know what, Greg, it's a year too early, but we'd rather get rid of you a year too early than a year too late, but we have this guy right behind you. And then you're not relying on rookies, which make rookie mistakes. They are pl- Then you just plug them in, they're playing, and that level of play does not drop. Well, thanks, Doug. I got to polish that story off at about midnight tonight, so we'll work that in there. <laughs> that was great, and it, yeah. your your perspective is just just amazing. Before we move on from the Steelers, then I got to hear like, I mean, can they win it? They were eleven and zero. They're undefeated. They're the best team in the league. Things fall apart for three weeks. They get Vince Williams back. They start pushing the ball the the, the ball downfield offensively. Is there hope for Pittsburgh? There is, but for me, I think the, the issue will be they have to find a running game. And I think, Monish, you said this before. In football, but especially in single elimination football, you throw to score points, but you run to win the game. They cannot have a running game. They don't have a running game right now. And I don't think you can win in the playoffs without some semblance of a running game. If you're up in the fourth quarter, you need to be able to turn that clock and keep possession, get first downs, and and hold on to that ball to ice the game. And that's the only thing, to me, I think is going to hinder them right now. I love it. We're a running back-friendly podcast, Jim, so you better get on board. I'm on. I love it. But remember, you're throwing to score. Yes. Now, you throw to score. Now, when you get up, though, you gotta work that clock. Even it. Wait. Think about this. Last year's Super Bowl. Who's the, everybody points to the person that really won that? It was the running back for Kansas City, right? Williams. Yeah. His runs were the reason why. Mahomes played okay, came back in the end, but when it came down to it, it was the running back that ended up icing the game. For and, and Damian Williams opted out. We, we forget he opted out this year. I'd yes. love to know that story behind that. I don't know if I've read anything, but like. He should have been the Super Bowl MVP. And and, and l- let me switch it to this. Do you guys think, and this is a question, Le'Veon Bell has been in, in kind of hibernation. Are they? Is Andy Reid waiting to the playoffs to unleash Le'Veon Bell? Because if you remember, he was the best multifaceted back in the league when he was with Pittsburgh. What do you guys think? To your point, is there a better coach – that utilizes multiple running backs in different, whether it's receiving or their best fit in the running game than Andy Reid. He, oh. I promise you, Andy Reid 
will be using Bell and uh, the LSU guy. I always forget his name. I'm Clyde Edwards. Clyde Edwards. Edwards. As we learned. They use those guys. He will use them to their best. He will use them to their best. And he hasn't shown it yet. So all of a sudden, you're 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 going back, and you know these these grunts are sitting there doing three and four games, past games of, of all these teams. You've only seen Le'Veon in there sporadically. Yeah. Now you're going to have he's going to have them split out. He's going to have them back in the eye. That they may end up going eye or or. or, or or whatever, but I, I'm that's what I'm excited to see about Kansas City and Andy Reid because he's always to me a step ahead of everybody else. Oh, you saw what I did? Yeah, we did that. But you know what? This is a this is a new week and a new game plan, and I got the the, the tools and the weapons to adjust to whatever I want to do. You're right. It seems like the Chiefs have just kind of been, you know. They've just been pussyfooting around here for a couple months, and, well, and they're going to unleash they're something. Clean. I mean, like, and, and Le'Veon Bell could be it. I mean, I hadn't even really thought about that. He's just kind of blended yeah. in. But I'm with you guys. Like, he it wasn't that long ago that he was revolutionizing football as a back with that patience to just see the game in a different way than everybody else. I mean, he had you know that year off. It's not a bad thing. I mean, he was able to save some some physical blows. That they mm-hmm. could have uh, stunted his career, and maybe, maybe there's something special in him. They're only they only need what three games out of him. That's it. <laughs> That's, all you That's need. it. So so, and, and I may be wrong, but I'm betting that he's been saving him and getting him. I, I if you saw practice tape, and I probably every week, let's put a couple plays in here. Hey, Le'Veon, we're not going to use him, but we're getting you ready for the most important part of the season. That's the postseason. So I'm excited to see that. And and then you add to the fact, what I always look at is that next step. And five years from now, we're going to see more running backs running with that style because kids were growing up now saying, oh, that's how you're supposed to be a running back. Just sit there and patient, patient, and then see the hole and go. You're going to see more running backs trying to emulate Le'Veon Bell than a lot of other power, just downhill, run you over, type Leonard Fournette type backs. So that's the type of things that I start looking at. Okay, let's look at these college guys, which, and you see it a little bit in McCaffrey. He does that. Mm -hmm. He's a more, he's Mm -hmm. a real patient guy. So that, that's the type of things when you start scouting, you start looking and trying to project. He said he was hoping he'd be like the Steph Curry of the NFL in terms of like, you know, so many kids just started gunning, you know, three pointers Mm -hmm. more and more and more and more. And when we talked, I think it was 2016, uh, right before their playoff game against Miami that year. I mean, he's like, look, I want kids in Pop yeah. Warner to be patient. I, he goes, I hope they're copying me. And, you know, it, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe there yeah. are. It's been a while since he dominated, but he was special. But if he flips that switch and has a great postseason, mm-hmm. so that that's my bold prediction. Do you Lately see any, down, uh, do you see any upsets, um, like anything crazy in your mind? I would say this. Go ahead. And if if anyone that I see coming in upset would be Indianapolis coming in the Buffalo. Oh baby, I, you know that this is gonna running the rock stir that hornet's nest, yes. Doug. Running the rock, and if they use that same game plan that Kansas City did, run the rock, control the ball, keep the offense off the field. But here's the key: they have to score touchdowns. Now, 
What what scares you though is obviously their defense, what they how they looked at the Steelers in the second half. Buckner I hear is limited. If he's not in there, it's probably not going to happen because you got to have somebody to affect Josh Allen and get him off the spot. But I that out of all of them, I think that would be for me the upset I could see happening just because of what they did and the, and how they play offense and how they played last week. If they can run the rock, they can get 100, 150 yard, yards of, of that rookie running back and then Phillip Rivers and that if Philip and keep it out of Philip Rivers hands. We don't want you don't need Philip Rivers trying to make plays to win the game. They can keep it on the on the offensive line and the running back shoulders and out of Philip Rivers hands and be able to keep it out of Allen's hands. They got a chance. Interesting. What do you think? Jim? What about you guys? Get, no, we talked know? about it. I mean, Tyler mentioned he thinks, you know, like pretty much kind of what you were saying. It, and, and I said the same thing. It's a good recipe to beat a team that what the Colts have. The two issues I have are I just think there's a big gap between Josh Allen and Phillip Rivers. Oh, absolutely. And I think and this, the Colts are really poor on third down defense, and the Bills are number one on third down offense. I think that's a big thing in the playoffs because you're fighting for mm-hmm. every first down. Yes. And if the, if you see early in the game the Colts getting off the field on third down, oh yeah, yes, pay attention to this game. Pay attention to this game. Yes. Jonathan and, and, Taylor is maybe the hottest back in football right now. Right. Like that right. means something. Now, are there any other games that you think are upset? I I think that's just to me was just thinking of the potential upset. All the yeah. other ones. Are you picking the Colts, Doug? Let's hear it. Like, let's put a score to it. Or do you want the do you want the six and a half? I'll take the six and a half. I want straight <laughs> up. See, I'm not a gambler. Yeah, I want winners. Good. I want losers. I don't want this bull. Just tell me who's going. No, I, if, if I put a gun to my head, I would say the Bills. But out of the ones, that's the one I think may have okay. a chance to to do the upset because they're what they can do. Was, has, was shown earlier in the year to beat the Bills. And if they can do that and transfer that same game plan, then they'll have a chance. So then, Doug, who has a better brunch? Indianapolis, Milk Tooth. I know you remember it. Mm-hmm. One of the best brunches. And Buffalo also has one of the best brunch spots we've ever been to, Roost. It's a hard Ooh. call. It's a hard call. Think about it. It's okay. There's no right or wrong answer. It's what you like. I would have to say, and it has less to do with the food, but the overall experience is better at roost. Well, man, well played, Mr. Politician. <laughs> yes. Well I'm played. telling you, the overall brunch experience, because brunch is you... definitely about the food, but it's the overall See, he experience. He picks the bills, the and then he picks the brunch spot. He's pandering. Hey, we pandering had a, Doug Whaley. We had a, Milk Tooth. We had a nice uh, meeting at Milk Tooth with an agent about oh, a player. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Things, happen, things happen at the Combine that it's not always. And then an NFL exec sitting on the next table. Because we used right to, at the combine, to we used to always go to these off the beaten paths. We steered clear of the, the steakhouses on the main track. <laughs> we found out. Prime 47. <laughs> yes, all those Prime 47. Those shit all reporters those. trying to get stories, you know, those grimy. So, that just... Thanks thanks to Monus and, and his food uh, culinary skills, 
Uh, he he used to find these great restaurants off the beaten path. And I'll tell you this much, Indianapolis has some really nice restaurants. So we would arrange our meetings where people wouldn't be able to see us. And we and then people start getting a tip to the fact that Indianapolis has a pretty good food scene. And we, we, we got caught red-handed at least once, maybe twice. <laughs> oh, me, you know, me and Matt Fairburn, we, we were out for you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Oh, yeah, you hit that steak and shake on the walk back <laughs> to the hotel, you know. That's where everything happened. I mean, God, I hope that we get the combine this year, right? Like, it's just – that week is just special for everybody involved. Hey, my, my – be- Go ahead. Now, I say my best combine story is when I was with the Steelers. I was walking. This was after uh, a combine. I mean, after the interviews. So I'm walking back past Steak and Shake with Joe Green. And this is probably 11 o'clock at night or whatever. Who do we see? Shaq. Shaq stops everybody. Joe Green, Joe Green. Him and his crew. He shakes Joe Green's hand. And I'm telling you this much. Joe Green's one of those guys where he slapped you on the back and he knew what he was doing. He had paws that weighed about seven and a half pounds. Hey, young buck, boom! You'd be like, oh. but you couldn't sit, you couldn't fit, flinch. You'd be like, eh, uh. you, you walk away, you'd be, you'd be having tears down your eyes, like oh, fighting that tongue. He, when Shaq stood next to him and shook his hand, and I was right there. Shaq's hand went all the way up his forearm. It made Joe Green look like his kid brother, and that's when I was like. That's that's just a different human being. I mean, that's unworldly how big this guy is. But he gave homage to Joe Green, and that's when I knew I was – not that I didn't know I was around greatness, but you, once you work with somebody – and, and well, you, you've been there. We've been around some really famous, great athletes and football players, and you, you just, it doesn't really dawn on you because you're around them all the day, and it's just, oh, that's Joe Green. But when Shaq stops and asks for his – picture can i get a picture with you then you realize hey this guy is one of the best of all times hey when i think about the combine doug i always think about there's a lot that goes on in indianapolis it, it, they, they could do e-entertainment could do a reality oh, show yeah. oh no doubt one week if you just would mm-hmm. go out every night and, and if you really want to do a great reality show but Man, whenever you saw that Dallas Cowboy bus (laughs) (laughs) parked next to a steakhouse, taking up the whole street and arm, it was like they had arm guards and it was, it, it, I know coach Peyton, you know, he's coaching Dallas and and is friends with Jerry Jones. And I know, you know, I think he was on that bus once or twice. I don't know that for a fact, but I always go back to coach Peyton, tell the story that Michael Irvin used to tell. To Jerry Jones. Best story in the world. Best story in the world. When Jerry Jones, when Dallas got caught for their um, their house that they had. The White House. The White House outside of Dallas. Yeah. And they got in trouble for doing their things that they were doing out there. And Jerry Jones said, Michael Irvin came into his office. Said, Michael, what's going on? He said, you know, hey, Mr. Jones, boss man, however he said it, uh, we're just trying to do bad things the right way. <laughs> And every time I see that bus, every time I see that cowboy bus at the combine, I think of bad things being done the right way. I love it. Hey, you know what I think about is that old saying, if the bus is a rockin', don't come knocking. (laughs) That's what I always think when I walked out. I was like, "Mm." oh my god. Because sometimes you I mean you you could hear some some bass coming out of there and it was it was shaking every once in a while. 
I mean, definitely. I mean, I, me and my buddies in the media, we, we'd get a few beers at Kilroy's, right? Oh, yeah, got to go to Kilroy's. Turn yeah. that corner, go to Prime 47. I don't think, I mean, it was always shoulder to shoulder. It's just like a absolute cluster, you know what, there. But there's that Cowboys bus, and you don't know what's going on in there. It, mm-hmm. your, your, your mind could race in a million different directions. But let me ask you this. Were you intrigued? I was. I, would you, you have wanted, gone you on? You want to know, right? You want to get yeah. in there. You want to find out. <laughs> Absolutely. You would have. You would have turned down an invitation. Well, you? You, you had to have heard a few stories, right, Doug? I mean, well, no. I, I'll tell you this allegedly, much. And I, 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 I knew two people that worked for the Cowboys, and it's just like Flight Club. And one thing about that bus, you don't talk about the bus. So there, no one ever gave up the ghost on those stories from there. So I, I don't know any. You may moan us, but I haven't heard no. any. No, I don't know any either, but I know I still have clothes that smell of Nikki Blaine's. Oh, oh the cigars. Oh, cigars in mine. Yeah, we, yes. me and my buddy Cream Copeland, we've been there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the time, and that's my, my buddy that I played with, Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator for Cleveland, that we'd always meet one night at Nikki Blaine's, and it was just – try to make it the last night so I wouldn't have those clothes in my hotel room for a week. It was just – it's just miserable. Hey, hey does Alex – do you is he head coach worthy? Ooh. I, he seems I think, so he seems so on top of the offensive game of football. Yes. And he's a football guy. Does he's he a football see the guy. picture? That's that's where I, I want him. He's graduated to this offensive corner. I'll say this, not yet, but he has some head coaching characteristics. He is on top of the offensive game. He spread his wings from before it was just the West Coast. Now he's been in some different systems, so he's been able to expand his offensive vocabulary. Um, I, I know he would get – he would be the, – the players would respond to him. If, if, if he can get Aaron Rodgers to respond to him, I think he can get to – he's a guy that can hang out with the O-line, the quarterbacks, the DBs, He's got that type of reach with his personality. He will definitely need some some strong defensive people on his side. I, I think he'll graduate to it. So in a long right now, no, but I think he's got definitely got a chance. And I think this Saturday or this Sunday at eight fifteen will be a big step in his maturation to get there. Love Alex Van Pell. I don't know if any coach in Green Bay connected to Aaron Rodgers better than him, and that's. It's not easy. He's a difficult person to get along with, but he, he was able to get on his level. And I think Aaron Rodgers respected him and he didn't, didn't respect Mike McCarthy, you know, for, for a good stretch. I mean, it's just a fact. He, he and respected that's Alex Van Pelt. Something was right there. And that's the key. If the best player on your team can respect you, you got everybody else's respect in that locker room. And that's why I think he's got a chance. And the thing he does is he doesn't say, you need to adapt to me. He adapts to the player and says, okay, these are the buttons that I know I can push to get him to take his game to the next level. And he understood what Aaron, what he needed to do to get Aaron to buy into what they wanted to do. And he, and he took the time to know his players, and especially Aaron, because he knows he was the best player. If I got that guy buying into me, everybody else will follow. So that's why I think he's got a definite chance. All right, so last question. Jacksonville Jaguars, 
worst team in the NFL. They have to play Alabama, best team in college, most likely. Even if Ohio State beats them, Alabama's the best team. Alabama or Jacksonville would be favored by thirty, in my opinion. Who are you taking? Oh, I'm taking Alabama. Well, let me say this: Who's coaching Jacksonville? Urban Meyer. <laughs> if it's Urban Meyer, I'm taking Jacksonville. Doug <laughs> <laughs> Marone, you want to? It's, it's a it's a double digit line, no doubt, but it's lower double digits. And it's in the teens if it's a certain certain coaches out there, but it's 27 plus if it's anybody else. Roman Harper said 17, so he started 14. He started oh. 14, and he started. Hey, that Michael Jackson was that he he backpedal in the yeah. back rooms. He started backpedal yeah. moonwalking at oh, yeah. 17. That's that, that's a good story. So anytime we have draft meetings, everybody always has some grades. And and the thing is, when you sometimes when you get the whole resume of a player, you're like, hey, in the in the fall, I thought this guy was a surefire first rounder. By the springtime, you're like, eh, maybe the third rounder, I would just be in there, hee-hee, <laughs> moonwalking, backpedaling. You remember, some, you people didn't, some people didn't understand that as a funny thing. They'd get all tight and upset. And I'm like, eh, we all do it. We all do it. I hee-heed a lot. Doug, it's the greatest thing as a scout when you're actually you're trying to sell a guy at first and you realize, you know what? They're right. He's just, he's <laughs> right. And you just want to say, guys, you know what? I was wrong in the fall. Let's move on. I'm sorry. It's going to be tough. You put your ass on the line. Absolutely. And I'll I'll be in that. For some reason, I always had a West Coast trip. On our bye week, I'd always go to do a two-week West Coast swing and hit all the West Coast schools. So I didn't have to be doing a lot of traveling back and forth. And for four years straight, there was one guy, I don't care where it was on the West Coast, I'd fall in love with put like a second, third round grade. Everybody else would be like a free agent. I'd look at the grades and then I'd, I'd start reading. I'd be like, all right, guys, this is my one West Coast guys. I have it. I wouldn't even finish my report. I'd just look at, I'd hear those guys. I'm like, are you guys sure? There'd be four other guys be like, no, this guy's a free agent. I'm like, I saw, never mind, take it. And then I'd just be like, hee hee, I'd hee hee myself. <laughs> hey, there had to be a hee hee that got away, right? There had to be somebody that you loved and you and you wanted to stick with. And you'd have the balls to do it. Who, who's the one that got away? Uh, I'd have to think about it, but none, none come right <laughs> off the top of my head. I hey, Doug, every time I was scouting in Tampa, going to South Florida, mm-hmm. I would always try to schedule them on like a Thursday visit. Okay. Yeah. No, there's no visits on Fridays in colleges usually. But a home game on a Saturday. So you're there in Tampa Thursday night. Friday night, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Sunday, you do your reports, watch your NFL. Monday, you're back at another school. But those four days, I promise you, I was always coming up with a good player at South Florida to go back to that pro day <laughs> to make <laughs> sure, just to make sure I was right or wrong on that guy. Remember those Blundstone meetings? We'd be getting mad at the scouts. What do you mean there's no players at Tulane? I'm going to have to go and make sure, just to go make sure. What do you mean South Florida? Uh, they got a C or a D-rated player. No, we just got to make sure. I don't really uh, – because those Tulane, New Orleans, South um, Florida, Tampa, hey, there was definite cities. Better put a player from the Citadel on there every year. Oh, every year. Yeah, gotta, go gotta go to Charleston. Gotta go to Charleston. Oh man, Gina's Gina's been on me. She wants to go to Charleston. We gotta oh, get down there. Don't 
No, Doug, Doug no, can do it. That's the world. No, it's hey, pound but, for but pound. What I'm, pound for pound, but what I'm hearing, you better go soon with this lockdown. I just had a friend that, that lives there that has some relatives there. It's starting to get an influx of big city people that are can work uh, remotely. It's it's out there. It's starting to get saturated from New York City people, Philly people. They're like, hey, I'm I'm it, it it's losing its luster a little bit, but I'll still I'll still go with you. I'm part I'm part of the mayor. I'm, I'm a mayor on Folly Beach. I'll see if I can get that fixed. I'll see if I can change it. We're, you know, Got pull it. some strings. In the meantime, we'll just drink our Hamburg beer here. You know, we're about four or five in at this point, and. Uh, Liver light, we, Doug. We gotta get you up to Western New York. Come on, well, it's safe. Hey. I promise. We're we're here. Hey, now that they're yeah, now that they're having fans at the Bills Stadium, I I think yeah. it's time for me to come up now. Yeah, right? I mean, the governor gave up his ticket. They should have gave it to you. You know, come on up, hang out. Who's? How are they determining who gets the tickets? That's a good question. You know, I I don't know. I mean, it's all I know is there's going to be sixty seven hundred people. It's going to sound like seventy thousand. They're going to go nuts. Yes. And uh and and you think the Colts are going to win in a landslide? So you know we can just sign up right there. No. Hey, Monas, I got one question for you. Basketball. What do you think of Garza from Iowa? Oh. <laughs> I think he. I just I was watching him play today. Is he Morrison from uh, Gonzaga? I think I think so. That's how I see him. Yeah. Go ahead and I, I, kill, hey, who's college he Hall of Fame, College Hall of Fame, and yes. go away. Who's he going to guard in the playoffs? Although, although, is his game starting to mimic, like, Luka? Oh. Who's the dude in Denver? Um, oh, Jokic. Jokic. Is, the Joker. Is, yeah. Is, is I, I, yeah, I haven't seen those guys that aren't aren't obviously the greatest athletes, but they're so skilled, it doesn't matter. I don't know. That's Well, Luka and Jokic play tonight, 10 o'clock. So, when I get off of this – I'm going to eat some dinner and watch that. I'll let you know. Next Love time it. I see you guys. My Hornets, are they going to be any good this year? They're like two and six or something right now. But Melo looks good. But I'll tell you, no. But I'll tell you this much. The Knicks are over 500 for the first time in about 10 years. <laughs> and the, the last time they were five over 500, they were 1-0 after the first game of the year. I think it was 2008 or something. Mr. NBA. I love it. I love it. Yep. All right. Well, that was incredible, Doug. You're the man. Thank, thank you so much. Appreciate it, fellas. Yep. All right, and we'll uh, see you next week. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. All right. See you. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch 
or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join.